Welcome to episode five of the Mia Sanrod podcast. Wow. So, um, despite a flurry of positive results of after the Hoffenheim debacle, a 2-2 draw with Wolfsburg, and a 3-0 ass-kicking uh, uh, granted to us by PSG, finally signaled the end of Ancelotti's boring tenure as Bayern boss. Um, we are calling this episode The Eyebrow. It's, it's yeah, it's in the books. Um, today... Ooh, lots to discuss. Today, joining me is Toby, uh, Red Robbery on Twitter, um, one of my favorite, favorite buying people to talk to. And with us is a French football expert, Jeremy, Jeremy Smith. He's an editor at French Football Weekly and also at In Bed with Maradona. And um, you guys might know that I also do that, too. So I'm really, really happy to have Jeremy on the show today. And um, I'm sorry for the dumpster fire that you've been brought into, (laughs) Jeremy. (laughs) No worries. It's a bit more fun this way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what what could have been like a, a weird game and something close turned into kind of an explosion um and toby how are you um i don't know what to say right now <laughs> i'm still still confused after all these news right right so i'll remain neutral <laughs> I I feel like um, this is the most perfectly timed podcast of all time, or worse, but we'll see how it goes. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the Wolfsburg match briefly, and then get into PSG, and then we're going to get into the meat of what everybody actually wants to talk about um (laughs) because now wolfsburg doesn't matter but it does it does (laughs) it never did (laughs) wolfsburg never matters (laughs) not to julian draxler at least all right Oh, goodness gracious. Y'all are just waiting for us to talk about Ancelotti, and and that'll come. But first, first, uh, Bayern ended up in a disappointing draw, uh, 2-2 to Wolfsburg uh, during Oktoberfest at the Allianz Arena, which seems like it's kind of impenetrable um, uh, during this this social time. Um, Bayern lined up in a 4-2-3-1 with Oreich in goal, Rafinha Boateng, Homos Kimmich on the back line, Rudy and Vidal as defensive midfielders, Ribery, Muller, Robin, and Lewandowski up top. For Wolfsburg, it was a 4-3-3 offensive lineup with Castiles in goal. It's a Oh, how do you say his name? Udo. Udo. <laughs> <laughs> I always, I always think I know how to say players' names, and then I don't. Udo, Udo Alcal, yeah, is that right? 
That sounds decent. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, Toby. To surround and Verhey in defense with Gilibogi, Camacho, and Arnold in the midfield, and Molly, Origi, and William up top. Um, the goals came not so easily for for Bayern. Um, it took just over half an hour for for them to get on the board with a penalty from Lewandowski. Um, and then just 10 minutes later, uh, Robin took a shot that took a flexion off of Rafinha to go 2-0 up. So it looked like... This would be your t- typical Wiesen match or, or Wiesenspiel. Um, but Wolfsburg got back in the second half. What changed, Toby? Mm, two things. Uh, the Bayern luck changed from a lot of luck to no luck. <laughs> and... The opponent, uh, Wolfsburg, did change a bit in the first half. They played a very defensive-minded, narrow 4-5-1 formation. And in the second half, they were a lot more aggressive and pressed a lot higher up the pitch. And that was enough, really. Um, uh, Jeremy, do you, do you take any outliers from, from that match? Um, I mean, obviously, that to a point, you have to. I, I agree that the, the second half, um, Wolfsburg definitely kind of opened up a lot more. The first half, they seemed to to sort of come for a nil nil draw, um, and the second half, I guess they they had to to at least show some attacking intent. Um, but you know, it was it was such a freak goal to set them on their way. Uh, well, not a free goal, just a, a huge mistake, I guess. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if that counts as, as an outlier, but, um, you know, certainly once once they'd scored that, I, th- I think they were probably good for their draw overall. Um, Toby, um, how responsible is Ulreich for the goals? <sighs> For the goals, a lot. For the results, not that much. He definitely fucked up. I don't think anyone can argue about that. But the entire team played in such a disappointing and fragile way that um, they didn't really deserve to win. Yeah, it kind of felt like that. Like, there was this... um I don't know. It's kind of a shitty first half to watch. I think on everybody uh, on Bayern fandom's end, um, but it built up with with the two goals, and then it dissipated into nonsense. <laughs> That's perfectly said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I, uh, talking about Ulreich, and we're going to talk about him more, obviously. In the uh, absolutely, he's a different type of keeper. He's overall not a great keeper. Bayern could improve on that position, 
And also, I think he's not in the perfect spot mentally right now. He because the mistakes he's committing are like not mistakes you do because you're not very good at something. They're just such basic mistakes that there's more to it. I think that that's just he's not really in the correct state uh, mentally to to be a Bayern starting goalkeeper right now. Yeah. From, from from the outside, that it definitely looks that way. I mean, Neuer is more or less irreplaceable, you know, from anyone anyone in the world. He's you know clearly one of the one or two best keepers in the world. So you're always going to sort of have a a lesser version. But um, I'm surprised it's kind of this bad a replacement. Um, and you know it's. It, yeah, it's not just Neuer's shot stopping. It's not just Neuer's, you know, it's become a cliche, but his sweeper keeper um, abilities. It's just the sort of um, aura that he gives as well. And, you know, he's made mistakes in the past, but um, Ulrich's head just, you know, it went straight down and didn't go up again for a while. Um, whereas, you know, Neuer, if he'd made the same mistake, you know, the same way as, a, I don't know, a Schmeichel in the past, he probably somehow have tried to blame a defender, had a go at them, and then, you know, kept his chin up and still kind of given good body language, whereas Ulrich really didn't after that mistake. Yeah, it, 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 like I said, and, and and that's so hard done because he wanted to leave the club and then he got hurt in, in preseason and couldn't. And, and he would probably be better served elsewhere I don't know how to say that I don't know really how to say that you know um, it's uh, it's an it's a series of unfortunate events I guess for Sven Ulreich <laughs> <laughs> and it only gets worse it only gets worse so, <laughs> Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg uh, kind of started um, a bit of a collapse after a couple of good results for Bayern. And then um, some people went into the uh, Paris Saint-Germain uh, Champions League match with a bit of trepidation. Some people went in saying, nah, everything's fine. And then we all knew who's right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I just like to be right, to be, to be totally fair. (laughs) Even, even, even if it's at (laughs) Bayern Munich sauce, that's not entirely true. No, I would love to be wrong, but here I totally was not. Um, so let's talk about PSG. Um, Jeremy, uh, talk to me about the, the starting 11 for, uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Um, it pretty much writes itself because, um, I don't think Emery is very imaginative. I, I've even got to the stage where I think there's certain positions where he's maybe told who to pick. Um, I think most people would probably agree that Kimpembe has been the best centre-back for PSG this season so far. But obviously, Thiago Silva um, 
<laughs> he kind of disproved this yesterday, but generally I think he's been really unimpressive the last few years and more often than not doesn't deserve his place. Um, the only the only positions that sort of generally are up for debate in a match like this are goalkeeper and possibly left back because Kazawa isn't in a great form at the moment. But, um, you know, the, the, the midfield three, uh, Emery's favourites, the forward three, obviously there's no discussion there and Emery loves his 4-3-3. So there was an, unlike Bayern, there was, there's kind of no suspense and no shocks in terms of the starting lineup. And Toby, uh, what do you make of uh, Ancelotti's uh, starting eleven for Bayern? That surely was an interesting choice. The centre-back pairing of uh, Zula and Martinez was not the one people expected. And probably, in my opinion, the most questionable decision uh, he made to bench Mats Hummels over Niklas Süle. I don't know the reasoning behind that because didn't appear to me like Hummels was not entirely fit or anything, so no idea what he was thinking. The midfield was a solid predictable choice of Thiago, Vidal and Tolisso. And the Technically, most interesting part, of course, the two wingers, uh, Rodriguez and Müller, instead of proper wingers. I think his plan was to narrow the attacking down to focus a bit more on the central areas and exploit potential spaces uh, on the flanks uh, through the fullbacks. But it never really look that way on the pitch like they're not really executing the plan you 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 thought they were going into the match with um so it looked to me um like it developed into um a sort of uh christmas tree toby yeah exactly exactly yeah Right. So narrowing the tack, no wings, um, depending on defense, which um, uh, could not necessarily uh, deal with the PSG counter. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Um, I do think it was a, an interesting choice and maybe even a good one tactically because uh, the center would be clocked down and um, the uh, Paris um, wingers didn't track back that much so you could afford a fullback uh, pushing forward every now and then and be facing lots of space which especially uh, Kimmich could have exploited and he did uh, exploit it pretty well but that was the only part of it all working to be honest because the midfield in particular didn't contribute much defensively or offensively um jeremy um okay so um byron got beat to death pretty much actually uh, no they, they look good to- they look good for about 25 minutes it's, I mean, you look at the stats and they're very strange. They had more possession. They had, I think, 19 corners. 
18 corners maybe they had more shots they even had more shots on target I think it's just that this PSG team with Mbappe and Cavani a completely different prospect to anything that um, that PSG have had before and you know there's if PSG could have wished for something to happen it would have been for a goal in the second minute because after that all they need to do is sit back and hit the other team on the break. So, you know, Bayern really did have their moments and you were kind of unlucky because I think Ariola had by far his the best game he's ever had for PSG. Um, so, you know, he makes a couple of brilliant saves, especially the, the one from the Martinez half volley. And then after that, PSG were just able to, to pick Bayern off a couple of times. Yeah, it, it seems kind of weird, but Toby, there were... Um for Bayern, there were 53 crosses, mm-hmm. which signifies what? Two things, actually. First, the approach that they had in mind to, um, as I said, uh, use the full backs to attack. Because I, I would guess that most of these crosses came from Alaba or Kimmich in some way and also the desperation they had offensively that nothing else was working for them the attackers didn't receive any support from the midfield so the only thing left to do was put it out wide and smash one inside the box and hope for the best yeah it it, it did seem kind of like a bit of desperation uh, desperation and and looking at the the pass maps um Lewandowski was isolated once again mm-hmm. in this setup so what may have looked good on paper or may have been actually tactically sound like how how does that how does that change is that uh, to make the question more clear like if you're going to play that way and you're going to bring crosses in do you need you need to have wingers to bring the crosses in or is that or am I just talking out of my ass, which I probably am. I do it all. <laughs> probably not with the Bayern squad, because you look at the wingers they have, the three proper wingers. It's uh, Ribéry, uh, Robben, and Coman. You, you don't find any great crosses uh, in them. And they're all way better at inverted dribbling, stuff like that. So it's not like they're these old type wide midfielder uh, winger types who run down the line and uh, put a cross in. Jeremy, um, so um, have PSG solidified themselves more as a squad? After after this win, there's been uh, it's not Byron level kerfluffle, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's hundreds of millions of euros level kerfluffle. <laughs> um, possi- like one of my favorite moments of the night was when um, Cavani scored his goal and Neymar came to give him a hug. It's one of the coldest hugs I've ever seen. <laughs> it gave me a shiver. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
the fact is, as long as they keep winning and they keep scoring, they'll be happy enough. I, I do think there are still some big ego issues there, which I think um, could become bigger problems at times. But as long as they're playing like that, I don't think it matters too much. And after all the soap opera that's happened the last week or two, and it's not a major issue, but the nil-nil at the weekend, it was important. Um both just to sort of get a bit more momentum going, but also to, um, I guess, kind of put a, a bit of a signal out to the rest of Europe. Um, it was important to get that win. And, you know, the fact that it was that comprehensive is obviously even better. But at the same time, I don't think, you know, there's a lot of a lot of fuss being made about this, you know, what a, what a message we sent out to Europe. But the fact is, it's match day two in a group stage. Um, PSG have been able to do this kind of thing for a while. They've beaten Barcelona in a group stage before as well. They've beaten Barcelona 4-0 in the first leg of a knockout stage. The, you know, the, the real test of PSG is to, to show that they can do it when it matters in sort of March-April time. Kind of an interesting setup. So Bayern face uh, Celtic. Uh, head-to-head um, to try and and maybe get a positive result out of anything that's happened uh, with Ancelotti being canned today. Yay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> before we go into that... Um, Let's talk a little bit about Kylian Mbappe, um, who broke, absolutely broke, um, newly fit David Alaba's ankles in the run-up to to Cavani's goal. (laughs) There's There's a famous clip of him doing something similar in a match near the end of last season against Lille. Mm. Um, to a to a fullback called Frank Berrier, who retired <laughs> a couple of weeks after the match. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Toby, do you do you think uh, Alaba was maybe brought into a match too soon? Oh, no, no, no! He's been up and down very average for quite some time now so it didn't really surprise me that he would look weak uh, coming back uh, from an injury against a world class winger that that was no surprise I mean I do think maybe it actually would have been better defensively at least to play Rafinha over him as crazy as that might sound but yeah Alaba needs to work hard to get back to his old level of being a world-class fullback because he really isn't right now. I don't see him as that far ahead of Juan Bernard. I, I, I actually, so I'm really harsh. So I place him behind Bernard right now. I think that if Bernard were healthy, he should be the starting left back for Bayern. Is that bad? I'm sorry. <laughs> I I totally agree, but that's a personal thing. Yeah. I just I, I just like like Bernard a lot, so yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> I think to me, Alibi is just um, like almost every top fullback at the moment, much better at attacking than defending. <laughs> Yeah, um, the, there's there's definitely there's definitely a level of truth uh, truth to that, and I think that um, the way that modern football is set up is that your 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 wingbacks have to be great attackers as well. Puts a lot of pressure, obviously, on a lot of players, and Alaba uh, coped with it well um, until about two years ago. Uh, and then um, his introduction into the center back role under Guardiola as well. Um, I don't know. Something something got lost there as far as his ability to to read his role. What do you think? I, I, I don't know if to an extent you'll. You have to go easy just in terms of yesterday's match. Go easy a little on him just because it was his first match back. But then, to me, that would be another reason why you'd, you'd start with at least one of of Hummels or, or Boateng there. And I think you know everyone in France was mystified when when. Neither of them were starting. Only one of them was even on the bench. I think oh, honey, was I was mystified. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, Toby, let's talk about that center back pairing of Sule and Javi Martinez. What shall we talk about then? <laughs> these are these are Bayern's third and fourth. Or should be, yeah, I think they are. They are. They are center back choices. I love. I love Sule in dead ball situations, corner kicks, and everything because he's such a massive human being. Um, he scores goals. Um, Javi Martinez, I think, and we've talked about this. I don't know, Toby. You haven't been on the pod pod for a few weeks. But he's not a center back. And oh boy. <laughs> he's a defensive midfielder. Oh oh boy, that's a touchy topic. So so you have to talk to Chris about that, but we both agree. So it's obviously correct. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm in the minority there. You are? Yeah. Do you do, <laughs> Listen, I. <laughs> you're gonna be like, what? I love like 2013 era Javi Martinez, right? We all do. Uh, of course, legend, legend. Um, what what is he providing to the back line right now that Hummels or Boateng? can't being fit this is true and um, just to remind you and the listeners for at least half a season last year he was easily Bayern's best defender and I definitely would have made a case that for 
about half a year he was a top three defender in world football. So he's not looking great right now. He hasn't ever since that red card uh, against Madrid in the quarterfinals. But he's proven that he can be such a brilliant defender with a, really an emphasis on the defender part that I really don't see him back in midfield. I don't see it. I think it doesn't th work at all. I don't think anybody sees him back in midfield, especially as clogged as it is at Bayern. But uh, and I hear I hear that a lot. So pardon. I think some some people really do think that. No, I no, I know. And and I mean, as much as I may want it to happen, it will never happen. It's not ever going to happen. I don't know. We'll see who comes in next and changes our minds. But um, yeah. And I agree with you, Toby. He was really, really, he was very good for very long stretches of last season. But was this the right center back pairing um, to counter a counter attacking PSG? Um, it wasn't for two reasons. The first one, obviously, that Hummel should have started. Boateng. I totally understand that one. He he's been out for like I don't know half a year or something like that, more or less. He he's played maybe a hundred minutes of football since returning, so you can't just throw him in there and uh, wait for the next injury to happen. Hummels obviously should have started. He's been a great defender, great in the builder for for quite some time now. But it also has to be said. First of all, Hummels isn't. Uh, exactly a speed star either so he would have struggled with the pace as well and also I think Bayern's match plan was to sit back more or less and um, prevent PSG from actually executing those counterattacks. that match plan got uh, well you just have to say it got f fucked royalty, royally in <laughs> the second minute and <laughs> It probably was a mistake to to be so aggressive from then on, but it wasn't what they had in mind. Uh, um, Jeremy, let's talk about uh, Chago Silva. <laughs> <laughs> match of match of his life, Chago Silva. Um, It's become a running joke for us because you know there's a lot of people especially brazilians and psg fans who adore him but uh, french football weekly we're just absolutely not convinced you know in the same way as i kind of said that i think with Neuer, you miss his sort of aura and his like mental strength and i think maybe that's that's another reason why i would have started with hummels even if he's not 100 match fit or still a bit or a little slow as well to me tiago silva is the opposite I put a lot of blame for the 6-1 loss against Barcelona on Thiago Silva. I think he's so mentally weak. I think that it's his fault that um, PSG against Barca were kind of dropping further and further back. I think he showed in the last World Cup um, with, with Brazil, with the crying, with the refusing to take penalties, with the whole let's all wear Neymar shirts as if he's been killed stuff. <laughs> I just think he's mentally very, very weak. But yesterday he had a great game. What can I say? Um, you know, 
possibly, as I said earlier, it's because it's just the group stage match and he wouldn't have the same game later on. But it was genuinely the best I've seen him play for about four years yesterday. Um, Lewandowski, you know, as you said, you put in 50-odd crosses. Um, Lewandowski was isolated, but, you know, we all know what a great striker he is. Um, Silva and Marquinhos barely gave him a sniff of the ball the whole match. Yeah, um, completely. Um, And then let's talk about your right-back, Denny Alves. (laughs) Is he ever going to get old? Or A Bayern fan should know that right backs get old. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, they don't. They retire maybe before their time. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Alves uh, put in a a very, very good measured performance, especially on the counter. Would you agree, Jeremy? Yes, superb. I mean, he, he, he scored one. He played a big part in the third, although it was Mbappe's brilliant skill that that made it in the end. It started with a a crazy sprint down the wing from Alves. Um, I think he even had a a part sort of early on in the move that led to the second as well. Um, He's, I think he's, maybe it's too much to say he's as important as Neymar and Mbappe, but he's a very important part of the team and, um, importance of their chances of winning the Champions League. I still think that they're a little bit weak in in defence. I think they're especially weak in defensive midfield. But having him as much as Aurier last year and Munier as well, decent um, right-backs, I think Alves is a different class. And again, it's not just what he does um, with the ball at his feet, but the leadership that he provides. That team has always been very, very short of leaders. And Alves is one. And he's been there. He's done it all. Um, he's, you know, the only the only fault that you could you could place at his feet so far since he's joined is that he got involved in that whole um, Neymar Cavani spat. And maybe he's a little bit too allied with Neymar. So if there is a problem and factions do start, then he's a little bit compromised. But he, so far on the pitch and I think off it, he's been he's been very important. And as well as Neymar and Mbappe, he's he's been the other one that's helped them sort of take a step up and look more serious contenders compared to last year. I mean that 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 right side is it's ridiculous, especially if Danny Alves is in form, and then and then Mbappe in front of him. Uh, they're they're a serious threat if they can I think if they can get past all the the turmoil the inner turmoil on the team I mean they're absolutely a threat I think to to win the whole thing would you agree Toby they're one of um, I don't know five or six teams that are hoping that uh, Madrid won't recover from their recent, let's call it crisis, because they didn't win two consecutive matches. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're the number one contender. Madrid and PSG are one of a few teams closely behind that with a realistic chance of making it happen. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I, yeah, I wouldn't say PSG are favourites at all, but they've now got players who, on their day, could be anyone. Absolutely. And they beat the shit out of Bayern Munich. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but so... But saying, saying all of that, yeah. you know, I'd love to... If, Müller had scored that chance quite early on when he was left completely unmarked and he hit the ball wide. You know, who knows? It all could have been so different. Yeah, it's a different. It's a different game. And and Bayern, Bayern had chances. Um, there were chances to get level, to go ahead. Um, it it wasn't it wasn't a horrible performance. Um, and and part of that is a lack of finishing, the isolation of Lewandowski. Um, so so that that kind of comes down to is it tactics or is it personnel, Toby? Can it be everything? Yeah, it can be a little bit of both. Absolutely. <laughs> well. Tactically, as I said before, the match plan, the theoretical match plan seemed decent, seemed promising. Finally, some changes, finally some ideas. The execution was rather non-existent, although you have to say that um, the early goal they conceded pretty much made all of that useless anyway. The personnel... Not the starting lineup. He chose more of the situation within the team. I think you could sense that not everything was right. And even more so after the match um, on German TV, you saw Thomas Müller give an interview. And everyone who knows Müller knows that even after such a loss... there's still a bit of that humor, that that smile on his face because it, he doesn't take it as seriously. But this time he just was absolutely depressed and, and shell-shocked almost. And I really don't think that was due to them losing or playing badly. It was just the entire situation of the last few days and weeks coming down on him and exploding today as you might want to mention very soon yes um so (laughs) jeremy any any last thoughts on psg on psg i i would say it's possibly one of their most complete performances because even for example when they beat barcelona last year for nil barcelona didn't turn up so it was just a sort of attacking match from psg this match had um really good performances in attack and defense i think that bodes well for them um i was going to mention the midfield i just it's weird i'm kind of looking back on the match it was almost like there was no midfield it was on both sides it was all about attack and defense you know by Verratti, motto and rabio standards i don't think they were particularly special it was it just it felt yeah the ball was on the floor the whole time it felt like everything was going from one end to the other and bypassing the middle yeah, um, I think even looking over the starting eleven and then rewatching the match, like um, uh, the midfield uh, didn't seem to me to be uh, 
a deciding factor at all, which is weird because Bayern's midfield is supposed to be, <laughs> you know, the thing. And and also, I, I think maybe on Bayern's end, was was the midfield effective other than the yellow cards? Toby? Tiago <laughs> <laughs> uh, did uh, commit a few decent tackles, which practically sums up uh, what the midfield did <laughs> as, as, aside from that it wasn't much <laughs> right that's that's kind of a strange strange tactical thing okay so <clears throat> what everybody wants to actually chat about is Carlo Ancelotti got the sack from Bayern Munich uh, we are recording on Thursday today And, whoa, um, I think, uh, so I'm going to lay out my opinion because everybody wants to hear it. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> First of all, I feel like it's Christmas. Like I'm super, super happy about it. And I, I, If you've ever read everything I've written over last season for Bayern Central, I was never convinced as Ancelotti as, as Bayern's trainer. I think the football has been boring. Um, there haven't been a whole lot of new ideas. And to take as, as gifted a team as uh, Pep Guardiola left him with, and bring it to where I can fall asleep during matches is a travesty. Um, <clears throat> but this has been... So even... That my personal opinion. So even being as upset that I've been for a season and a quarter now, um, it's been kind of coming over the last... Uh, several weeks uh, quotes from players quotes from brass quotes from everything but but um, especially lately Hummels uh, let's talk about Hummels saying the Wolfsburg match was not tactically correct um, Toby do you think that had anything to do with why Hummels sat on the bench A couple of hours ago, I would have said no. But considering the recent news and the stuff that's being leaked by the minute, one of these things being that Hummels apparently was one of a few players who really didn't get along and were one of the main reasons uh, why uh, Ancelotti got sacked, it might actually be the case. As much as it surprises me, but it might actually be the case. I don't know. I don't know if that surprises me so much. I mean, it's supposed to be a team sport and put your best team out there. But 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 Carlo in the incoming weeks has has seemed a little bit um, invictive as well. Um, He had a quote where he said, I don't read what anybody thinks about me. 
because I don't speak German, which actually isn't true. He speaks it well enough. Um, leading up to this day, uh, Jeremy, what do you what do you make of this whole fracas? I think he. From the outside, it looks like he's possibly the worst possible person to replace Guardiola. They're kind of opposite extremes. Like one is so intense, so kind of involved with the players, giving them things to think about every training session, working hard with them on you know every tiny um, detail of. You know, of you know every tactic, every match, everything, and and uh, um, Ancelotti seems kind of you know what well, you're all professionals, just get on with what you do best, sort of thing. You know, very laid back, very lackadaisical, and, um, right? Ex- yeah, and um, I, I guess it's the kind of thing that if it clicks with with his team and with his players, they probably feed off each other, and it works very well. And if not, then then you've got problems because you know, he he seems I'm sure he is laid back, but it's the you know it's a little bit like the you know the Arsenal fans getting on the back of Özil. He, I think he probably tries harder than he ever looks like he does, but he just always looks so relaxed and <laughs> and like he doesn't care. And I'm sure he does. I think that's the thing with Ancelotti. So when they're doing badly, the fact that he looks like he doesn't care is even more hurtful. Um, but I, you know, clearly. I think in other in other clubs he's he's done particularly well with the older players who maybe don't need so much guidance on the on the training field. Whereas here it seems that it's particularly the older, more experienced, more influential players that he's kind of fallen out with or never got on with in the first place. Um, you know, as Toby said earlier, even Muller, who I don't think is the type who usually cause problems, um, has come out with comments. Hummels, um, Lewandowski, and you know, gave that interview in the Spiegel. Like, didn't criticise stuff about the whole club, but I guess you know, under under Ancelotti, there's all these tensions arising. Robin and Ribery aren't happy, although my personal opinion is that's just because they're two massive egos who aren't happy if everything's about them anyway. But um, I I just, yeah, clearly there's lots gone wrong. And, you know, normally you'd say, fine, they've, you know, only got 13 points out of 18 in the league. You know, there's a hell of a lot of time to catch that up. Okay, they've lost a, a... a match in the Champions League, but losing at PSG, whatever the circumstances, isn't the worst result in the world. There's still four more matches to go. So clearly, there has to be more to it. You don't you don't sack someone after you know two or three bad results. And I think he's clearly lost lost the dressing room and or changing room and lost the faith of everyone above him as well. Yeah, <clears throat> I would have to agree. And from an out. And it's tough to to consider from an <clears throat> even an outsider's uh, viewpoint, um, but these things have kind of they've built up since last season. Would you agree, Toby? Yeah, I think uh, both of us were among the first to criticize Ancelotti's reign. <laughs> 
because it became apparent very early on, like in, I don't know, September, October, you could spot the first issues with the team starting to look off and the performances being very odd and results just coming in despite the play, not because of it. A lot of people didn't want to believe in these issues at first because they used the old uh, arguments like Ancelotti is a man for the decisive uh, matches, the team will turn up in March, April, all of that. Once that didn't happen, everything seemed lost for, for many Bayern fans because they probably felt cheated. Uh, they expected the team to get into that uh, 2013 mode um, against Madrid, which didn't happen for various reasons. Not all on Ancelotti at all, by the way. No, I mean, the the return match against Real Madrid in, in Champions League was a match for the ages. I mean, Bayern was really hard done by, and, and, and the team turned up. Yeah, and also you have to say that um, uh, the worst possible moments for injuries occurred, they were fit for a long time, but then like one or two weeks before the Madrid matches, uh, suddenly you got all these injuries. Lewandowski, who wasn't fit but still played, and Hummels and Boateng and all of that. It was really difficult with the team that's that hurt to succeed against such a strong uh, Spanish side. Yeah, for sure. Jeremy, um, the, the performances were good for Bayern uh, going into the end of the season and, and then just kind of fell apart, as Toby said. Would you agree? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's... I suppose it's always a bit like PSG are experiencing now. I think Bayern are always going to be. Um, you're always expecting to win the win the league, and a lot of your season is always going to come down to a couple of matches in the in the spring and how far you get in the Champions League. Last year, as, as you said, I think the second half of the season um, performances were better, and despite losing you lost sort of gallantly and controversially to Real Madrid so I think he, he retained um, a lot more goodwill but it seems like over the summer with um, you know comments from a couple of players and sort of going back to how it was at the start of last year I think yeah it just seemed that there were issues there right from the start and I guess you know even like the the Hoffenheim match and you know all the stuff with the the ball boy and all that it just it seemed like it just feels and he's certainly not the only one but it feels more and more like Ancelotti is kind of yesterday's man like it's now time for the next generation of coaches and and Bayern don't want to be left behind um and you know possibly it might work out for the best for you um, longer term that you get rid of him sooner rather than later. Well, he's gone. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, um, so uh, Willie Sangnol is the, is the caretaker coach. Um, do you have any comments about his time at Bordeaux? Um, yeah, it wasn't very successful overall. 
Um, he started off as the France under 21 coach and did a reasonable job there. But you know, the, the quality of players that France under 21s have got, he should be doing well there. I don't think it's anything particularly to his credit. And then he, when he started at Bordeaux, he kind of he started really well. But I was one of the few, actually, who even early on, I was a little bit cynical because he was every match people were saying, oh, isn't it amazing the way he's making all these tactical tweaks and these really early substitutions and things like that and changing matches. And I just, I'm, I'm one of those people that thinks if I'd rather the manager got it right, right from the start. <laughs> if he's having to make all these tweaks, it's because he's done something wrong in the first place. And I, I sensed a little bit that he might be found out. So the first season, he started well and tailed off a bit, but got into Europe. And the second year was just really bad. And they were conceding. They conceded a ridiculously high number of goals. They weren't scoring at the other end. And he just, you know, people talk of, Ranieri is the tinker man or just because of one match but um, I saw a stat today which said that Sanyo in 88 matches in charge of Bordeaux he put out 86 different lineups <laughs> holy crap <laughs> yeah so I think possibly he thinks he's a better manager than he is I do think there's potential there but I think he needs to sort of um Settle down a little bit? Yeah, let his head deflate a little bit first. (laughs) So, I don't know. I mean, obviously, he's got a fantastic squad to to still pick from with you. But I don't know if that could be even more problematic because it's (laughs) going to make him even harder to pick a team. Um, You know, he's he's probably a safe pair of hands as a kind of caretaker boss, but I'm not sure about him being a a serious candidate long-term despite his sort of legendary status at Bayern. So um, as we're recording this, news is kind of coming out as uh, uh, Ancelotti's successor after Sanyol. uh, and signs are pointing to Thomas Tuchel uh, right now. Uh, Toby, give me your thoughts on Sanyol and and a, a Tuchel signing, because Tuchel would not be a caretaker coach. Tuchel would be a that would be a full time job. Yes, Sanyol. I think Jeremy summed it up perfectly and way better than I could. He's. Um, if you are to believe uh, Huynes uh, right now, he's only going to be coaching them for the Hertha match on Sunday. And they want to have a new coach ready uh, after the international break. So I don't, I don't think there's too much to be analyzed with Sanyol. With Tuchel, there, that's a very interesting story because he appears to be exactly what the Bayern board would want to avoid right now. He's, uh, from what we've heard uh, out of uh, Dortmund and Mainz, he's stubborn, he tends to get into petty fights with uh, players, with the board, with media. And that's kind of really exactly the opposite of what you would uh, imagine Hoeneß and Rummenigge to crave right now. They want uh, the the Heinkes type, the, the guy they get along with who calms the club down, who 
gives the players some tactical tweaks, but but doesn't narrow them down too much. And, and Tuchel is just really not what you would expect. Is is this gonna happen though? Um, so so, who would be your choice, or who do you think would be a caretaker coach until? Because everybody's kind of aiming for Nagelsmann. Yeah, and I do think that was absolutely the club's plan until this week um, to get through the year with Ancelotti and then uh, continue with Nagelsmann. If you really want uh, like like a caretaker for two-thirds of a season, I don't see a perfect fit, not at all. I know, I know some people are gonna cry for Heinkes. Just please stop. Let the man, <laughs> let him enjoy his free time. That won't happen. And even if it did, nothing good would come out of it because all it would do is uh, ruin the ending he's had with the club. Right. So I, I always thought it was going to be Nagelsmann as well. Um, but yeah, he's obviously not going to go mid-season. So my suggestion is. Why don't you do what Chelsea always seem to do and bring Gus Hiddenkin for the rest of the season? <laughs> That's not a bad call. Um, so, so it's actually a really interesting call. Yeah. yeah. Saying that, um, Bayern brought um, two past players, coaches to the to the PSG match last night. Um, one was Louis Van Gaal. And the other was Xabi Alonso. Mm-hmm. Is is there anything to be made out of that? Oh God, no, no. <laughs> but, but but is there anything to be made out of out of that? Uh, I don't think so. Alonso, that might happen at some point. Maybe it's going to happen soon that he joins the club in some assistant or youth role, but. The, there's no way they're gonna give him that responsibility right now. And Van Gaal, I don't think we even have to discuss that one. <laughs> it's it 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 just comes off as kind of a strange selection of people to be attending. I don't know. Uh, that it really did, yeah. <laughs> if I may may use uh, the opportunity to go for one name, I would drop. It's uh, someone who really hasn't been mentioned that much, if at all, but I've had that name on my mind for quite a few days now. Uh, what if they uh, appoint uh, Weinseel for the rest of the season? Oh, Weinseel would be... He, that's, he, that's a really good idea, actually. He, he... I mean, his ending at Schalke wasn't that pretty, but before that, we have to re, uh, remember that he did a great job uh, in Augsburg, and for quite some time, it was said that he's like the perfect fit to end up at Bayern one day. I mean, knowing the club and all that. And then like half a year of bad work, everything was torn apart. Maybe that's what the club wants right now, a familiar face, someone who won't cause too much damage internally. And for him, it might be a good opportunity to get himself back into the spotlight. Jeremy, do do you think that Bayern jumped the gun by firing Carlo after this match? 
Um, I, d I don't know enough about um, what's going on in the background. As I said, if it was just based on results, yes, I would say they did. But I d it's, to me, it seems that it's clearly not about that. The problem is you can't sort of stick with him if he's doing a bad job and no one's paying for him just because you know you're not getting the manager that you want until next summer because it could sort of cause untold damage in between so you know if, if it's a big problem it needs to be dealt with straight away um it, you know from all the rumors coming out clearly um it was you know the the relationship was at an end, so it, it had to it had to be terminated there, I guess. But um, yeah, it leaves it leaves you in a tough position for that reason. I mean, it, it leaves in a way it leaves Nagelsmann in a tough position. If it, you know if his plan all along was to join you next summer as well, then you know that's arguably you know he's certainly young enough and talented enough that other chances will come. But you know it's kind of a pity for him if he misses out on what I guess maybe is, is his dream job through no fault of his own. Toby, would you agree with the Nagelsmann assessment? It, it, it is kind of a, a, a tough tough place for him right right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It would be a weird decision for him to leave Hoffenheim now at this point. Uh, I think he he was uh, really enjoying that that idea of going there after this season, after the next season, at some point, doing like a like a clean cut and using the preseason. So joining Bayern now would throw him into a really random situation. This is now a really interesting decision to make for for Hoeneß and Rummenigge. Do they still believe in Nagelsmann so much that they are willing to go with a caretaker coach for like eight or nine months? Or are they saying he's not that important to us, let's go with Tuchel or whatever and go for the future right now? Personally, I would say caretaker and F this entire season. I agree. <clears throat> But professionally, what do you think? I mean, the 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 two whole rumors are they're persistent and they're I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, um, but like I said, it wouldn't be a caretaker role. I me for me personally, I would say just. This season is trash. Do do whatever we do, and there are plenty of tough matches coming up in the next six weeks, five weeks. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, I get to have ankle surgery, and I'm gonna have dr drugs for all of them. So <laughs> <laughs> I get to watch. I'm jealous I get, there. I get to watch with <laughs> just sitting there on Vicodin the whole time, going. <laughs> This is fantastic, <laughs> but <laughs> never a better time to be in a crisis. Um, <laughs> oh, you do have to say, like with Tuchel, um, even if they do choose him right now, we know what kind of coach he is, and how is he supposed to bring that team up to tactical speeds during the season? He can't. Like. 
he, there, there's no way he would he would join and he would either have to uh, ignore his own ideas and ideals or he throws tactical work at the team while playing two or three matches a week and I just don't see that being a great idea so um Toby, what is your ideal? Who would be your ideal caretaker? Weinzel? Uh, as I said, I don't have an ideal one. Weinzel is an, is an interesting one, but uh, even he, I don't know if that would work out, but I do think you have to make the decision to this season just choose someone solid, someone who will get along with the players who will get along with the board who won't be too upset if the if he has to leave uh, after the season again uh, in the end this team is smart and experienced enough to more or less uh, coach itself so i don't think they need a huge boost they just need someone to improve the mood someone to bring them back together and all that because so that you have sounds like Ancelotti <laughs> <laughs> it does that, that, that's a funny thing uh, that he did seem like a good fit in those regards and getting the team along the team doing that stuff themselves and funnily enough those were the exact same things that now seem to have brought him down and have failed him massively it wasn't even that he's not a possession coach or all that the team just apparently didn't get along with him which was the key quality he was sold on bringing back to Bayern yeah Jeremy it's an interesting point uh, Ancelotti has been known for his man management uh, or it's kind of what he's famous for but he spectacularly failed in that regard at, at Bayern That's that's the strangest thing, and uh, I don't have an explanation for it. You know, everyone seems to to love him, to find him, you know, very very affable. And um, the only thing that I can think of is, first of all, that you know, with you know, certainly in terms of your your strikers, you've got or attacking players, you've got so many talented ones there that you're always going to have some, I suppose, who are. Um, unhappy to be left out um, I would suggest that in a couple of cases they're you know aging a little bit and frustrated that they're not as good as they were yet maybe don't have the um, self-awareness to realize that and are just simply annoyed every time they're left out um, I it's it's a strange one I I Possibly there's a couple of issues there that aren't entirely his fault. Um, you know, Lewandowski moaning that you haven't, you know, the, you're not spending enough on, on new players, that kind of thing. I, I don't know to what extent he has any say in that kind of thing. So, you know, if that's the kind of thing that's, that's upsetting Lewandowski, it's harsh to put the blame for that on him. But all I can think is possibly... Um, You know, in comparison with Guardiola, who maybe, even if it seemed like very hard work at the time, maybe now with hindsight, the players realized that it was a really good thing for them to be challenged on a daily basis like that. And, you know, sometimes the, you know, the really nice, cool teacher at school might be more fun during lessons, but at the end of the year, it might be the, the strict teacher that gets you better grades. 
Toby, would would you agree? We absolutely, yeah. Uh, I, I do also have to emphasize that not everything that's gone wrong has gone wrong because of Ancelotti. That would be absolutely awful opinion for anyone to hold. But he, his arrival was a bit fueled by here are a few things that might have gone wrong with Guardiola. He's going to fix them and instead it turned into we're losing all the good things we've had and the bad things will just grow further. So, do you think um, there was unfair, maybe, expectations of Ancelotti at Bayern? Just as they were on Guardiola, yes. Yeah, I would say the same. Okay, um, any last thoughts? Anyone? Nope. All right, we're good. <laughs> I, my, my only last thought is your con- if you lose to Celtic, or the two ma- if you do badly in the two matches to Celtic and you end up in the Europa League, at least you'll get the chance to beat Arsenal again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're all waiting for, P.S. <laughs> that would be amazing just to, to, to drop down to Europa League just to beat Arsenal to death once again. <laughs> And by the way, Everton have just gone behind to Limassol at home, so Ronald Koeman might be available soon. Nice. I actually <laughs> like Koeman. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, okay, I think we're going to wrap it up here today. Um, thank you so much again for listening to the Mia Sun Road podcast. Today with me is Toby. Uh, Toby, where can we find you? Online? Yeah, online mostly. Um, Twitter, Red Robbery, and mirsanroth.de and .com, both of them. That's, that's where you could find me. That's it. That's enough. He's so amazing. P.S. I love, I love me um, some Toby. Um, and also... <laughs> oh as amazing uh, <laughs> Jeremy Smith where can we find you online as well so I'm on Twitter at Jeremy Smith 98 and I also do most of the tweeting for the French Football Weekly account and they're on um, at French FT Weekly cool and Jeremy and I edit uh, in bed with Maradona and check out that site because it's really awesome Anyway, and I am at, come on, you guys know this by now, the Susie Schaff at T-H-E-S-U-S-I-E-S-C-H-A-A-F. And Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on this dumpster fire of a podcast. <laughs> Pleasure. It's been special. <laughs> and, and very, very interesting insights and uh Hey, guys, uh, we hope to see you soon next week. Ciao. Ciao.